Good, e- good evening, everybody. It's great to be here to worship with you together. And uh, I'm excited to be with you on our midweek to refocus, to re-energize around what matters. It's been a great night so far of worship to sing about things that we can truly hope in and truly look forward to the rest of this week to, to ground ourselves in. Tonight we're going to be continuing our chapter study through Colossians chapter 4. And tonight we have uh, verses 7 through 13. So if you'll please turn with me there. I'm going to walk through those verses. Beginning in verse 7 of Colossians chapter 4. He's going to get into the, the closing right here. And it, it's a closing, but it has a little bit of meat to it. It has some things that we're going to try to unpack a little bit. There it reads, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. With Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you receive instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you all, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you, and those who are in Laodicea, and those in Hierapolis. So these are our verses for consideration tonight, and we're going to start off talking about Tychicus. There he's mentioned in, the, in verse 7. The question that we have here is, who was Tychicus, and what does this word minister mean? So I was so thankful that Frank put together these questions because I've gone through these closings before and had a little bit of trouble uh, pulling something out of them and not reading, just reading over them. I've tried before to, you know, okay, what does this mean? But some of the questions he asked were simple, but they helped me to think about it a little bit. And uh, so Tychicus. Tychicus, his word literally means casual or by chance. Uh, My studies didn't get me anywhere to where I found that uh, to be somewhat symbolic, but I'm, you know, maybe you will, or maybe we will in the future find some something of interest there. So Tychicus is a man who accompanied Paul on his trip from Macedonia to Jerusalem, and right here he's being used as a as a letter bearer. He and and Onesimus are the ones carrying this letter to the Colossians, and uh, it says that he was. we learned that he was likely a native of Ephesus, and uh, so being a native to this area, Ephesus, Colossae, this area is kind of close together, he was very useful to them as being a mailman and delivering uh, the message for them. And it says that he was so involved with Paul that he could relay the message of what is going on. So he go, he is, uh, Paul here says that, that uh, Onesimus and Tychicus are able to tell them all the things that are going on, and so if a man is that involved with Paul to, Paul to where Paul just says, hey, I'll let him cover this. This man is obviously in there within the thick of it with Paul. He's in there putting the work in with him. And, and it's interesting what we're going to learn because he's not probably as famous as Paul, but he's right there alongside him through all of his work. And it says there uh, in the second half of verse 7, Oh, in verse 8, it says, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. 
So here this man, Tychicus, is, is recorded in the Bible, will be remembered forever, and one of the few things it says about him is that he is going to be there to know their circumstances and comfort their hearts. That is so simple. Just to listen to them, to talk to them, and to comfort them. How many of you here can do that? How many of us have the ability to just do something simple like that? To listen and to comfort. And this man is recorded in the Bible, will go on down through history for the simple act he performed. And this is, I think, one of the the greatest lessons I learned from Tychicus here is that he is maybe contrasted to Paul in his fame, but he is valued strongly by Paul. It's, you know, a lot of people think of a man's role as being preaching, someone who's got to lead songs, someone who's got to be a public leader. And that's fair, that is man's role. But he is listed here as a man who is tender enough to do something that is just sitting and talking. So let's never think that a man's role is limited to just things that are, are quantifiable and visible, like in the worship service. Let's remember these other roles are very important as well. He is described as a faithful minister. This word faithful is someone who can be relied on. So as we start to see a picture of this man, Tychicus, uh, I spend more time on him than anybody else, so don't worry. Uh, but this man, Tychicus, is kind of just a reliable, uh, get down and does the work kind of guy to stand beside Paul. Now this word minister, uh, just, we, we're asked what this word minister means in the questions. And this word minister means he is, he is a servant. This word means one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master. He carried the most prestigious title the church has to offer. Because we're told by Jesus that those who serve and those who are lowly are those who are the greatest. And this title of minister he holds is because he is one who is willing to serve. In Luke 9, verse 46 through 48, it says, An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put, it, put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. This man, Tychicus, embodied that. He took his job, whatever his job was, and he did it well, and he was recognized for it. So maybe we start to speculate about this man's personality. You know, maybe he was a common sense man willing to be troubled with small secular details with a hearty love for God. You know, he wasn't one who was above any details that were simple. Like, I'm not going to carry the letter. I want the one, you know, you get, to, you get to be the one who wrote it and gets all the glory for that, Paul. No. He's just willing to get down and do the delivery, do what needs to be done. Maybe he was there for, to do the rough work, to do the dirty work for Paul. And there was a, there's an old saying I ran across that I, th- I feel like describes the worth of a man like Tychicus. It says that a horse went about uh, for want of a nail. He lost his nail, and so he didn't have his shoe. A man went without a horse because that, because that horse didn't have his horseshoe nail. The battle, went, the battle was lost because the man was not involved, and the, king, and the kingdom lost because that man was not involved. Just kind of illustrates simply the, the value of, of a small piece in a puzzle that does an important job. And that's who this man Tychicus was. And in business school, we're taught that, that you need the whole supply chain to take care of customers. You don't just need the, the salesmen out front making the sales. You need the, the ones in operations management, the ones behind the scenes <clears throat> getting the product out in time. The ones behind the scenes getting things out so that uh, the quality is assured. 
there's so many pieces to a puzzle, uh, and we can see that Tychicus is one of those. How astonished do you think he would have been if anybody had told him that these two precious letters that he helped deliver would, la would outlast the city, would outlast everything about this city, and that he would be known toward, to the end of the world for the simple things that he did. So he is someone who shows us the simple things we do are eternal. Moving on to Onesimus. He goes on to say in verse 9, With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all, the, all things which are happening here. So who is Onesimus? Onesimus, his name actually means profitable. And Paul tells Philemon in the letter that he was unprofitable to Philemon, but he has now become profitable to Paul. Because what happened is Onesimus was the runaway slave. He got away, and he ran into Paul along the way. And he was converted, became a Christian. And when Paul learned of all these things, he sent him back to Philemon to make all this right. And uh, so Onesimus has an amazing character in that he gave up his physical freedom. He, he gave in and submitted to to what needed to happen for the true freedom that was in Christ. And so it's cool to see him worked into this uh, closing as he's developed a, re a relationship with Paul and he's developed a name in the church. And he is described as faithful or trustworthy. And that's great for a man to see the, the change in somebody like that, to, to do whatever it takes and become a reliable person when maybe in the past he wasn't like that. And I like that Paul does not involve the personal issues of him being a runaway slave in this letter. This letter's to Colossae, and those issues don't pertain to all of them. He leaves that out. The letter to Philemon was to handle the business with Philemon, but the personal matters were personal, and he didn't kind of call him out in front of everyone for that. Going on to question three. What do we know about the following men? And we're introduced to first Aristarchus in verse 10. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark the cousin of, and with Mark the cousin of Barnabas. Okay, so Aristarchus, his name means best master, like literally. And uh, I guess some think that he was a bishop of Apamea, but he is from Thessalonica. And uh, in Acts 19, verse 29, uh, he's involved in some other situations. In Acts, he was the one who was grabbed with Gaius when there was the the silversmiths had the riot over the issues that, that you know, the, the, God, the temple of the goddess Diana wasn't getting the sales from the silver anymore. And so the silversmiths were mad. They lost their business because uh, they, were, they were rejecting the, the gods of the area. And so uh, there, was a rebel, there was a riot in, among the silversmiths. And, and uh, Aristarchus was the man with Gaius who was grabbed. Paul got out of there, but these two men were grabbed. And I think one of the things we can learn is how Aristarchus was kind of was established by these, this thing he went through. He was in danger for Christ. He was grabbed by a mob. And that would have been a scary thing. Put yourself in that position. A bunch of mad businessmen ready, to, ready for heads to roll because they're losing business. And he seems to be established by that event. Because we go on to find out that he's here with Paul. And then he goes on to be a prisoner with Paul. And eventually, tradition says that he was martyred by Nero. So he was killed for Christ. And let us always have that mentality that we'll be grounded and, and remain firm in, in Christ through our trials and through the things that try us, like Aristarchus, because it seems to have made him only stronger. Going on to Mark. And from 
what do we know about Mark? Mark is a relative of Barnabas, and he worked with Paul and Barnabas in previous missionary travels. Mark has an interesting story because he was on a good track. He was traveling with them, and then he decided to abandon Paul at Pamphylia when they were going to a more difficult work. He wanted to stay back with Barnabas and said, hey, I'm not going any further from here. And that caused some serious tension between Paul and Mark. So Mark has a little bit of some rough history with Paul, but it's great. It's awesome to see that he, he here is mentioned uh, in Paul's letter in the closing specifically. So this was the situation where Paul took Silas and Barnabas took Mark and they went their separate ways. And, uh, and this is actually the first mention of Mark since then. So it's kind of a big deal for him to be spoken of here. But then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, Mark is re-recommended by Paul. Paul said he is he's kind of uh, restored to him in a way that he's seen that he's useful for the cause of Christ. And he appreciates that in him. Going on to Barnabas. Barnabas's name is actually Joseph uh, from birth. But they gave him the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And that's a pretty cool name that you could be known for your encouraging attributes. Another character in this, in this little ending who we can see simple things that define him. He was an encourager. Let's not forget these, these examples. And as I studied these, these people started to become real to me. I guess it's kind of hard to describe in a, in a quick 15 minute or but I can encourage you to sit and think about these people. And it helps you connect to them instead of just being somewhere on a map. What if this is... You know, not just Aristarchus of Thessalonica. What if it was, you know, Aristarchus of, of Bakersfield or Fresno? And all these people were local to us. They're just people. And they really did live. He was a Levite from Cyprus. And Barnabas has a strong role in the early church. It says that he put his kingdom first with all, put the kingdom first, first with all of his possessions. He is, his first recorded action uh, in, in the book of Acts was that he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles. He took what he owned and invested in the church wholeheartedly. He got rid of the things he had and was willing to sacrifice for Christ. Paul acknowledges him in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for, being, uh, for supporting himself financially Instead of relying on the churches to, to give him money, Barnabas went out, put the work in, made the money he needed to to survive, and did the work of the church on his own cost and didn't require money from the church. So Paul commended him for that. Uh, Barnabas was the one who, when Paul was early to the, uh, just getting started with the church, there was a lot of doubt about him. Like, who is this guy? He was the one persecuting us. Barnabas was the one who stood up for him when it didn't, <clears throat> when it didn't look good for Saul or for Paul. <clears throat> in Acts 15 verse 35 it says that uh, he was when he came and saw the grace of, of God when he was sent to Antioch he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with, with steadfast purpose for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord so someone's spirit who's filled with the Lord and filled with an encouraging spirit helped add many to the Lord don't forget that your attitude matters. To have an encouraging spirit. He fasted and prayed with Paul in Acts chapter 13 when they were trying to decide where they were, where they were going to go on their missionary journey. That was him. He was the one there fasting with Paul and praying. 
he did have a couple bad spots. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul called him out for being led astray by the Jewish circumcision party. And, uh, and that's presumably before the Jerusalem council. So he, didn't, he wasn't all perfect. He had his mess-ups too, but overall he is a great man in the church. Uh, the next person is Jesus, who was called Justice, and the only thing I could find on him was that uh, his Justice may have been his Roman name, and his uh, Jewish name may be Jesus. So, uh, obviously not Jesus the Christ, but that's all I found on him. But I love what Paul said there, is that they have proved to be a comfort to me. He's saying that they, they are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. So, Paul is looking at these guys who came from where he came from and is saying, you know, these guys have comforted me. And I can see this being uh, especially comforting to Paul because, you know, what if you had left everything you ever knew, known? What if you left your family, all your people, you left everyone who raised you and trained you, and you went against them? How, how awesome would it be to have people who came from that same system to come up behind you and say, hey, man, you're doing the right thing. We can validate you in that. We also are studying God's word, and we found that you're right, and Jesus is the Christ, and these men need, need to change their ways who we left. How encouraging that must have been for Paul. And also, uh, it was encouraging, I'm sure, because of what he says in Romans 9. Paul was extremely sorrowful for his, Rome, for his uh, Jewish brethren. He says that he wished he could give up his own salvation so that they could be saved. And so it must have been very encouraging for him to at least have a few brethren like this who came over from Judaism with him, came over from the circumcision, and were willing to, uh, to adopt Christ's principles. Going on to the fourth question, what is meant by the phrase a bondservant of Christ? It means to be devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. One extending and advancing Christ's cause among men by selfishly sacrificing. And he goes on to say that he was laboring for, uh, for them in prayers. He, he regarded this, this work of praying for them diligently as a labor, as a work. That's a powerful work, and it's acknowledged here by Paul. And finally, where was Hierapolis? It was an ancient Greek city just north of Laodicea, about six miles, and it wasn't too far from Colossae. So it's a little inland from the coast and uh, in Asia Minor there. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.